is sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. This April saw the highest number of apprehensions made in a single month in 12 years. There were more than 98,000 immigrants apprehended in April trying to cross the border illegally. That's up 159% compared to April of last year when 38,000 immigrants were apprehended. What we have to do is, is remove those loopholes. We have to allow people to be detained, keep the family together, but, but keep them there and adjudicate that case quickly. So we need resources to do that. We're going to stop Central American applications being made at the border because we don't have enough judges uh, for hearing dates. We're going to go to 100 days. We can hold minor children for 100 days so that we can actually process the entire family without letting them go. We're going to increase judges by 500. We have a crisis at the border, a national emergency declared by the president. The commander-in-chief has given me a direct legal order to secure the border. I'm securing the border. And now, Stacy Washington. Hey, welcome back to the program, everybody. Uh, we are just moving along. I want to say uh, happy Mother's Day belatedly to moms out there who uh, celebrated yesterday. If you were anything like me, I was so busy yesterday just doing stuff and trying to get things done and trying to enjoy the day. We, Our oldest is still at college, so she wasn't home, but she sent me some nice notes. And uh, with my husband and the remaining children, one of which he had big plans yesterday. And so we ended up just having a really smaller kind of group of us together um, but we, we got so much done and that was what kind of what I asked for instead of gifts and things like that. I just wanted some help to get some stuff done around here and they were so kind to oblige. And I want to say happy mother's day to everyone, especially those who you've lost your mom and you're, you know, you're kind of trying to, to navigate the holiday without her. It's, it's God's blessings on you and, and, you know, his peace. I'm, I'm praying for that. And it was just an, it was a nice busy day and it was kind of rainy and it was intermittently sunny. And so we got some stuff done outside and then inside. And it was just nice. It was just nice to just to try to get some things done. Um, and I want to show on the live stream and I'll take a picture because I didn't post anything on social media. And at first I was kind of feeling bad about it. And then I remembered, you know what? I'm not required to post stuff on the holidays. I'm allowed to just unplug and just, you know, let go. And so that's what I did. And so I, I, if you're one of those people who you didn't get a Facebook post up, that's okay. You, you enjoy yourself and you don't have to feel guilty at all. Uh, so, all right. So what we have going on um, right now, I want to give you a little bit of information about what we're going to talk about here in hour two of the program. We have the acting or acting ICE director describing thousands of arrests, seizures, targeting gangs, smugglers, and drugs. So we're going to be talking more immigration. We also have that uh, audio that we kind of previewed with Mark Lauder last hour about President Obama's defense secretary blasting Biden as wrong on every foreign policy issue in the last four decades. And then the, the story about the generic jug, uh, drug makers accused of price fixing in 44 states. So upsetting because if you know, if you, if you have any prescriptions at all, you know, you have to, you must have the option of having generic drugs. The generic drugs make it possible for some who it, your insurance doesn't cover it for you to be able to get what you need. And 
So that this idea that people would say, no, we're not going to work together. Come on, come on. So we'll, we'll cover that story as well. Right now, let's get to this acting ICE director. It's number two. In FY18, HSI made 4,333 arrests of gang leaders, members, and associates, including 959 Mara Salvatruca MS-13 members. Our special agents helped take more than 750 firearms off the street through these investigations, and we intend to expand on that success going forward. Additionally, last FY, HSI identified and assisted more than 1,477 crime victims, including 308 human trafficking victims and 715 child exploitation victims. Leveraging its Border Enforcement Security Task Forces, HSI is increasing investigation and enforcement activities, combating organizations that illicitly introduce and distribute fentanyl, heroin, methamphetamine, and cocaine into and throughout the United States. Narcotics enforcement efforts throughout FY18 resulted in more than 11,400 criminal arrests, with seizures totaling more than 1 million pounds. Seizures totaling more than 1 million pounds. And you know what? You know what I really would love? I would love if I could come on here and say, you know, victory. Everybody start pumping up your hands and praise dancing because guess what? We've gotten that number down or we have lowered the number of border apprehensions or, you know, the president implemented a new plan that has completely shut off, just squeezed off the flow of drugs through the southern border. Or fewer people are addicted to, uh, you know, illicit narcotics this year than last year. Fewer deaths through opioid overdoses this year than last year. Fewer opioid addictions. Those kinds of things only happen when we have everybody basically eyes front, right? Eyes front, focused in on the issue. Not just that we're praying about it, not just that we're talking about it, but that we're controlling our legislators and that they are, regardless of political party or ideology, acknowledging that there's a crisis at the border and doing something about it. That's right. That they're actually saying, you know what's bigger than me? My constituents. You know what's bigger than my desire to have single party rule from here on into the foreseeable future? Americans being killed by illegal aliens. You know what's bigger than my desire to have, you know, a socialist utopia? Not having people die on my watch. And until we get there, we're going to continue to have this intransigence. We know what the problem is. We know what to do about it. But our hands are tied because the political process has been so subverted that we can't get what needs to get done, done. And that's just crazy. It, it's, it's nonsensical. It does, it's it just, it's out of control. And so we've got to be, we've got to be aware of what's going on down there, which is why, you know, we have this audio from U.S. Border Patrol chief. He says the record number of illegal crossings at the southern border uh, you know, they defy description, but here he is talking about it. It's number three. Time and time again, my agents continue to go above and beyond. Just a few weeks ago, agents rescued a three-year-old boy abandoned by smugglers in a cornfield with only his name and his parents' phone number written on his shoes. Agents have rescued more than 2,200 migrants endangered <laughs> by ruthless smugglers so far this year. As we sit here today, thousands more are being encouraged to bring or send their children to our border based on smugglers' false promises of a safe and easy journey. Our apprehension numbers are off the charts compared to recent years. 
As of April 30th, we apprehended 460,294 people on the southern border. In the last week, we had our highest single day, over 5,200 apprehensions, and our single largest group of 421 illegal aliens. As of Sunday, only seven months into the year, we have now surpassed the total southwest border apprehensions of every fiscal year since 2009. So numbers like that are staggering, staggering. And it's, it, this isn't an issue or, or, or a case of us saying, well, you know, we wouldn't talk about this issue because other issues aren't, aren't really good for us. The GOP actually has a number of issues that really just, it's, it couldn't be going better. The economy, I mean, just, you know, it's a dead horse you can keep beating because it's, it makes sense to talk about what's working. But what's not working is the southern border. Now you might be wondering, well, what are, what, what are they working on? What, what is actually happening? Well, let's go to the Supreme Court for a second because we can get an update there. The Supreme Court is back in session and they're poised to issue five big decisions. They are actually considering the two allegedly partisan gerrymandering cases, the citizenship questions on the census, Another issue related to the separation of church and state, jury selection, racial bias in a death penalty case, and whether Apple is fair game for a class action lawsuit regarding iPhone apps. Now, I actually heard a little bit about this earlier today. I was, you know, running around and trying to catch up with some like during the week type stuff. And I ended up, you know, just listening on the radio to some kind of updates to this story. And. So the court has ruled against Apple. Now, the Supreme Court was considering today before the ruling whether or not to allow a class action lawsuit to proceed that alleges Apple has a monopoly over iPhone apps. A group of consumers claim that app developers are artificially inflating the price for apps because Apple receives 30% of each sale that's made through the App Store. Now, the company argues that only app developers can sue over an alleged monopoly, not the app purchasers. Well, the court ruled against Apple. They're going to allow the lawsuit by consumers to proceed. Brett Kavanaugh actually joined the court's four liberals in rejecting a plea from Apple to end the lawsuit. Kavanaugh wrote the majority opinion. In other words, Apple as a retailer pockets a 30% commission on every single app sale, he stated. And that was enough to convince the majority of the justices to allow the suit to go forward. I think there's an interesting dynamic going on here. First of all, Kavanaugh has proven that he will rule individually on a case by case basis and that his ideology has not made him so rigid that he cannot see the other side of an argument. It makes him an interesting justice to watch and perhaps potentially a very dangerous justice on some of the issues that we are literally we're praying, we're fasting, we're we're petitioning and going up you know, literally saying, Lord, we need movement on this. We should pray for him uh, on the issue of pro-life, on the issue of religious freedom. We should pray for him about those issues. Here with this Apple thing, um, I think it's kind of crazy. And I know 30% of 99 cents on an app means the app isn't 99 cents. or It means the app is really 60 some odd cents and they're charging you 99 cents for it. If they're charging you 3.99, obviously 30% is a larger number, but we're still only talking about, you know, dollars, fractions of a dollar, et cetera. But on the larger scheme, when you think about the multiple hundreds of millions 
of app purchases per year, you can see where this is very lucrative for Apple and they've locked out other sellers from this process. So it's going to be interesting to see what the court does with this now that the, the lawsuit is going to be allowed to proceed. So on these other issues, um, citizenship on the census. Well, liberal justices obviously believe that the census question is improper. It, it wasn't improper before, but it is now. Anyway, you know, what's the news? Where's the news there? Uh, this is a widely anticipated decision I'm hoping it comes down in favor of the Trump administration, but we'll see. Opponents claim that asking about citizenship will cause non-citizens and possibly illegal aliens to skip the question or census altogether, which will result in an accurate population count. Actually, it would result in a more accurate population count because you could count the number of people present for other things that the government tallies for. And then you could compare that number to the census uh, completion rates, and you could get a very clear picture of how many people are in, in a state or county illegally, right? And that is what liberals do not want. Remember, census data is used to determine congressional representation. And that is something that should not be skewed one way or the other by illegal aliens. We need that question. Um, and then the gerrymandering issue. So these types of issues on gerrymandering typically fall right down partisan lines on SCOTUS. And according to The Hill, based on the questions justices asked during arguments before the court on the two current cases, the high court's judges are split on this issue. North Carolina Democrats are actually arguing that Republicans drew the state's congressional districts in favor of the GOP. Meanwhile, Republicans in Maryland charged that Democrats in their state redrew in such a way that it eliminated a GOP congressional seat. Now, prior rulings by the Supreme Court have noted that drawing congressional districts is inherently political, and it's extremely difficult to define when such maps are too partisan. So, that it, you know, obviously, if it skews to one side or the other, the ger gerrymandering, the purpose of gerrymandering is to make it so that people of like votes can vote together and increase their political power. That's, that's what it is. Drawing con in congressional districts, that's what it involves. Um so conservatives on the bench during the, the arguments seemed hesitant to rule, implying that the states themselves should make the decisions. And liberal justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg asked if there was any genuine doubt that Maryland Democrats intended to deprive Republicans of the seat by redrawing the district. <laughs> Sometimes she just hits it right on the head, huh? <laughs> She's still alive and kicking, y'all. Good for her. All right, we'll be back with more after this. Stay there. Like, I wanted to have the abortion because I was trying to hide a situation. When a young mom in crisis walks into a preborn pregnancy center, she's welcomed with open arms and given love, support, and a free ultrasound to meet her unborn baby. This young woman not only chose life for her baby, but heard the message of Jesus Christ and was comforted from the guilt and pain that plagued her. Preborn centers lead the nation in providing free ultrasounds. When an abortion-minded woman sees her baby on ultrasound, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds, and 100% of your sponsorship goes towards saving babies. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. 
Your love can save a life. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. One of the lines that Senator Bernie Sanders uses often in his campaign is his concern that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Since he and other candidates will continue to proclaim this slogan, it's worth taking a moment to critique it. While it is true that the rich are getting richer, it is not true that the poor are getting poorer. Let's put both economic figures on the table for America. In a recent video, John Stossel estimates that the wealth of the richest people doubled over the last four decades. But it's also true that poor Americans got 32% richer during that same period of time. You may have read different statistics, but they're all about the same order of magnitude, so let's assume that they're close to accurate. A good question might be, why worry when some people get richer since poor people are also doing better? Sure, the percentages are different, but shouldn't we applaud the fact that a rising tide floats all boats? And let's look worldwide. In previous commentaries, I have documented the fact that one billion people have been raised out of extreme poverty. A corollary to this slogan is the claim being made that there's a lack of income mobility. Certainly, there is some truth to that. Children born to rich parents have a better advantage than children born into poverty, but we're not locked into an economic class. Economists at Harvard University and the University of California at Berkeley found that the richest fifth of Americans fell out of that bracket within 20 years. And those born to the poorest fifth climbed to the highest quintile, sometimes even to the top. Look at the Forbes richest list and you will find self-made billionaires who didn't inherit money. My point is simple. These campaign slogans sound true and reasonable until you look at some of the economic studies. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Socialism, go to viewpoints.info slash socialism. That's viewpoints.info slash socialism. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for being with us today. There's so much, so much to talk about. Like these uh, jihadi training camps. Yeah. I said it. So the current story is about this training camp found in Alabama that's connected to the New Mexico terror plotters. And it's just bizarre. Remember the bust in New Mexico? So there was a training camp in New Mexico. Uh, The same guy that owned that one also owned a terror training camp in Alabama. The FBI has found that second camp. At first glance, it looks like an abandoned dump. It honestly looks like something that it would just like not be a, a big deal, like a bunch of pallets, um, tires piled up. You know, they, they used pallets, they stacked them on top of each other and then draped tarps over them to create makeshift dwellings. Lots of empty plastic barrels lined up with uh, like the regular wire fencing set on top so you have to crawl on top of the barrels on top of the fencing weird just weird it looks like garbage really um like a makeshift military style obstacle course and you've got this small group of terrorists that actually live there Siraj Wahaj who owned the property up a long dirt road just a few miles from downtown Tuskegee and that's Tuskegee Alabama 
The property is similar to another one in New Mexico that the group is now linked to where federal prosecutors say Wahaj and four other suspects were training children to carry out deadly terror attacks in America. I'm sorry, y'all. What? So FBI Assistant Director for the Counterterrorism Division, Michael McGarity, told lawmakers on Capitol Hill there are 850 open domestic terrorism investigations with 40% racially motivated violent extremism. The details are kind of crazy. There was the remains of a child that were discovered. The other kids who were saved told the police that that child was killed during an exorcism that the Muslims performed on him. They believed that they got if they got rid of the demons in the child, he would host the return of Jesus Christ and lead them to victory over their enemies. What is this nonsense? Again, we're letting the wrong kinds of people into America. Oh, yeah, I said it. I know people get so ticked when I I don't care if people get upset. So you've got the MOA, which I guess it's also known as FUCRA. It's composed primarily of black American Muslim converts, many who converted to Islam while in prison. MOA members, many of them reside in rural communities, they call them jamaats, to live and worship free from non-Muslim influence. MOA jamaats are located on land that has been privately owned or rented by members. Each jamaat usually has numerous trailers where their members live, a mosque, a guard post, some with armed guards at the entrance of the properties. Now, these communities are similar to commune-type facilities, and there are women and children residing in them with the children being homeschooled. Organizing train, organized training is also conducted to include weapons training, tactics, hand-to-hand combat, repelling, and live fire exercises. Now, what am I talking about? Well, the Clarion Project has this report that they got. They, they put it together by documents that they received from the FBI, and they're reporting about this Jamaat El Fukra training members in isolated communities across America and Canada. They have a place called Islamburg, headquartered in upstate New York. That is their most well-known Islamic village. Fukra, which now goes by the names of the Muslims of Americas, among other titles, is a cultish Islamic group with a history of crime and terrorism. The group is led by Sheikh Mubarak Ali Jalani in Pakistan. Now, you might be thinking, well, I mean... No, there's no way we can write this off or kind of, you know, poo-poo it. It's FBI confirming jihadi training camps in America. This is at the Clarion Project, hardly, you know, a a place of ill repute, not some, you know, kind of backwater site on the Internet. This is a real website with real reporting that they've gotten from government sources and information, including the FBI. Now, they have a website called FUCRAfiles.com, which is the Clarion Project's comprehensive website about the group. And FUCRA has a documented history of conducting basic paramilitary training in America and elsewhere. So they've even held more extensive Pakistan training, Kashmir training for their members. So they take them overseas and train them and then bring them right back here to the good old U.S. of A. to live in the rural areas, which... There's something interesting about this and just just think about it for a second. Liberals are constantly talking about how we should stop having babies because there there's, you know, we have an overgrowth of human beings and the population is exploding and there's just no more room in America for Americans. So by all means, stop having babies. That's what they keep saying. 
But then if you look at this story, clearly we have enough landmass to host tons, just gobs of Muslims from around the world who come here and populate our rural areas and train up terrorists. So if the country is overbrimming with people and we can't fit anymore, how are we fitting in all the illegal aliens? How are we fitting in the Muslims who are moving here to do the terror training camps? You can't have it both ways. So I will post the link to the story. Um, they've actually got just just one more detail about these people. You've got one of Fuqua's terrorist training camps is on a 101 acre tract of land in Colorado. It was raided back in 1992 and subsequently abandoned by the group. And this was verified by a KRDO news report with Heather Scold. You can see pictures of the investigation into that camp on the Fuqua Files website. They were sub- sub- the subject of an episode of America's Most Wanted back in 1994. Now, the FBI documents from 2009 to 2011 state that Fuqua has about a dozen Jamaats in America. They claim to have 22 Islamic vig- villages in America. Um, you know, unbelievable. Um, it's an autonomous organization which possesses the infrastructure capable of planning and mounting terrorist campaigns overseas and within the U.S. So I'll put the story up. You can check it out for yourself. Clearly, um, we, again, more lies by people who say Americans shouldn't have kids. If anything, that should spur you on if you're in the childbearing years to think, you know, you, you should have the children that you want to have. You should have the children that when you pray, God leads you to uh, have. Not, not what some liberal is telling you. Well, we, we have an overgrowth of population, do we? Are all the rural areas of America filled with Americans? Are all of the, every bit of square acre that we have filled with American people? No? Okay. Because if, if, we're having a population explosion and kids sh- and Americans shouldn't have more kids, then we certainly can't have any more immigration, lawful or illegal, right? Only one of those things can be true, okay? So breaking news, I just saw an alert from the Epoch Times. Apparently, um, wow, the mom who did all of the uh, different things with her daughters. Um, I just saw the news alert come by. I'm, I'm looking for it now. Um, she pled guilty. Mm, it's, it's just such a sad story. Um, yeah, the admission scandal. Felicity Huffman. Oh, geez. Okay. She, so she just pled guilty. This is so sad. Um, and, and it's not sad because I, you know, only feel sorry for her because she's a rich elitist. That's not it at all. I'm just thinking about the children, her, her kids, her family, and how unnecessary this was. Sometimes when these kind of stories, um, when they come out, I think to myself, you know, how many families out there would give anything to have the kind of access that she's had and the kind of career that she's had? Just a fraction of it to not be living, you know, in a poverty stricken situation or, or struggling or, or dealing with whatever they're dealing with. And you have her literally paying 15 grand to, for someone to cheat on her eldest daughter's entrance exam. So she was crying as she discussed her daughter with us district judge Indira Talwani of Boston. Oh, how I wonder how that went. Devin Sloan, a Los Angeles based water services executive also pled guilty 
the fifth parent to enter a guilty plea in the biggest college admission scandal the U.S. has ever reported. Like all of the 14 parents who have agreed to plead guilty, Huffman and Sloan are charged with a single count of conspiracy to commit mail fraud and honest services mail fraud. The charge carries a maximum term of 20 years in prison, although federal sentencing guidelines can bring that number down significantly for parents who acknowledge their crime, have a clean record, and meet other criteria. Huffman, you remember her from Desperate Housewives, um, they allegedly paid William Rick Singer one of the smallest sums in the entire deal. And the drinking water and wastewater company Aquatecture LLC, the founder of that company, was accused of paying Singer 250000 to get his son into the University of Southern California as an international water polo player. The school didn't even have a water polo team, but he got in. So the plea deals are being worked out. Um, and, and the story is just, it's just so sad. It just goes to show you that some people will never, ever, ever be satisfied. It doesn't matter what they have. And that the human heart is depraved and wicked. So Rashida Tlaib, remember the, the, the three freshman congressmen on the Democratic side who make the most waves, get the most attention, and say the most outrageous things. You remember last week she said that it gave her a sense of amazing peace hearing about the Holocaust because she knew that the Palestinians were supportive of the Jewish people who were being persecuted. Well, this morning, President Trump smacked her for saying that. He said in his tweet, Democratic Representative Tlaib is being slammed for her horrible and highly insensitive statement on the Holocaust. She obviously has tremendous hatred of Israel and the Jewish people. Can you imagine what would happen if I ever said she said, if I ever said what she said and what she has said? I honestly believe that she should resign. Her anti-Semitism is so rank and ridiculous. It's, it's unbelievable. So Steve Scalise also commented, his statement was, there is no justification for the twisted and disgusting comments made by Rashida Tlaib just days after the annual day of Holocaust remembrance. More than 6 million Jews were murdered during the Holocaust, and there's nothing calming about that. I think his statement is probably one of the best I've heard so far. I read a lot of the tweets that were in response to what she said. Now, according to Ed Morrissey, a friend over at Hot Air, um, Tlaib is being criticized for the wrong thing. He points out that the criticism has mainly fallen on her wording, which was clumsy and sounded offensive when clipped out of context. She didn't express warm feelings about the Holocaust itself, but she did suggest that the Palestinians giving the Jews refuge after the Holocaust was what gave her a calming feeling. But her inaccurate view of history is what we should be criticizing here. The Palestinians never gave Jewish people a place of refuge after the Holocaust. They weren't even there. Palestinians, quote unquote, this group of people that we call Palestinians today, they weren't around waiting in, in their country to take in Jewish people from the Holocaust. America did that. They didn't offer anyone safe haven. Jewish people weren't thrust on Palestinians. Jewish people had lived in the region for a millennia, 
and the diaspora had begun returning in the late 19th century with the Zionist movement. The Ottoman government didn't take much of an interest in it at that time, and then the British seized the region after World War I as a part of the Sykes-Picot arrangement of the post-Ottoman Middle East. The British pledged to provide Jews a safe homeland before that war and followed through, although while still insisting on it being a part of the British Empire. So you know how the Brits can do. <laughs> so if anyone provided a safe haven, it was the British. But in truth, Jewish people had been building a revitalized homeland for decades before the Holocaust. It was the somewhat bizarre partition after independence that set off the chain reaction leading to where we are today. The Arabs, who had only lightly populated what they call Palestine now, resisted the idea of a Jewish state when Israel achieved independence. For decades prior to that, however, Arab states had also been ejecting Jewish people from all over the Middle East as well, forcing many to relocate to Israel. Hebron would be one good example of the quality of the safe haven offered by Palestinians for that matter, and a pretty good example of what would happen, what would come about if Tlaib got the solution she wanted. Tlaib really wants to establish a Palestinian state in Israel. Now remember, Israel is just a tiny sliver of land. It's just a teensy-weensy little sliver. It was nothing but sand and really just nothing much. And the Jewish people went in there and they have turned it into a little spot of paradise in the Middle East. So that's why Arabs want to take it back from them. Now that they've fixed it up, they want to take it back. Now, what would happen if Palestine was allowed to overrun the Jewish people, the the Palestinians, quote unquote? Well, they would just eliminate the state of Israel. They would eliminate it and they call it Palestine. They would overrun the Israelis. The Palestinian Arabs basically rejects from all the neighboring Arab countries, greatly outnumber the Israelis. They want to force all of the things that Israel is fighting against into reality. So, It would also leave, if Tlaib got her way, it would leave the protection of Jewish people up to the Palestinians, which we know how that ends. 600 rocket attacks, the end of Jewish people in the Middle East, and then they would all turn their collective heads to the West and try to run us down. We all know that's not happening, but that's what that's that's the way they would want it to go down. All right, people, when we get back, we'll have more for you. Keep it here. This is Kay Arthur. Are you hungry for love, unconditional love? Because unconditional is what you need. You've blown it, made a mess of life, and deep inside you wonder if anyone could love you the way you are. God does. And that's why God let His only Son, Jesus Christ, die on a cross almost 2,000 years ago. Jesus died for you because God knew you would fail to measure up. That's how much God loves you. The Bible, God's book, says while you were a sinner, a person who failed and missed God's standard, Jesus died for you. But that's not all. God raised Jesus from the dead. Because Jesus lives forever, you can too. 
If you want unconditional love, dear one, and a new start on life, call 888-NEED-HIM. Let me repeat that. If you would like to speak to someone right now about beginning a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call 888-NEED-HIM. There are many ways you can listen to the shows of Urban Family Talk. One of those ways is through our very own app. Whether you have an iPhone or an Android, just go to the App Store and search for Urban Family Talk. You'll have immediate access to 24-hour programming as well as the podcast for each show. You'll be able to tune in no matter where you are. Speaking of tuning in, we have our own channel on another radio app called TuneIn. Cool, right? Urban Family Talk is everywhere. Just download the app and take us wherever you go. Abraham Hamilton III. Don't you realize when you see some of the inner workings of the cell, with each component having its role to play, where you have soldiers and you have operators, you have little machines that are working, if the Lord would do that with something as micro and as undetectable by the natural eye as the cell, how much more will he provide for you? The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference is coming June 20th through 22nd. Learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. I'm Hank Weinblum with your Word of the Week. Congressman Andy Biggs arguing against holding Attorney General Barr in contempt. We put a sword of Damocles over William Barr. We created a Hobson choice. Okay, first, so Damocles, according to ancient Greek legend, was sucking up to the king, saying he was lucky to have so much power. The king had Damocles sit on his throne, but had a sword put over his head, held in place by a single horsehair to demonstrate that people in power are in constant danger. We created a Hobson choice. We said, guess what, Mr. Barr? You either get held in contempt or you violate federal law. English merchant Thomas Hobson rented out horses, the zip car of his time. He supposedly told customers, you can have that horse over there near the door or no horse at all. Hobson's choice really is no choice. Take it or leave it. Galloping off with sword in hand and your word of the week, Hank Weinblum, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I stand by that statement. He and I agreed on some key issues in the Obama administration. We disagreed significantly on Afghanistan and some other issues. I think that uh, the vice president had some issues with the military, so how he would get along with the senior military and what that relationship would be, I just, uh, I think it, it would depend on the personalities at the time. Wow. Uh, that's Obama's defense secretary standing by blasting Joe Biden is wrong. Um, I Obviously, clear thinking individuals would find Joe Biden to be problematic as a presidential candidate. And, and partially because of the snipping of the women and the grabbing and the inappropriate contact, but also because he's, he just doesn't make any sense, guys. He, he just, he says, he says crazy stuff all the time. Not, not a little of the time, most of the time. So my hope is that we would see um, Americans reject his candidacy writ large. It would be fantastic to see the Democrats have someone serious, uh, uh, but none of their candidates can be taken seriously based on the positions that they're currently holding. So uh, 
yeah, check out the the posts. I just put one up over on Facebook about that clearing project and the, the jihad training camps here in the U.S. Now, I want to get to this story about the generic drug makers accused of price fixing in 44 states. Now, again, I am not into price controls. I think that the free market should reign, but this is not a free market if you have companies colluding together to control prices and to subvert the generic market. Um, So a majority of U.S. states have filed a lawsuit that accuses 20 drug companies of orchestrating a sweeping scheme to inflate drug prices and stifle competition for generic drugs. This is according to state prosecutors who filed their case on May 11th. Soaring drug prices from both branded and generic manufacturers have sparked outrage and investigations. The 20 companies engage in the illegal conspiracies to divide up the market for drugs to avoid competing. And in some cases, they conspired to either prevent prices from dropping or to raise them. Now, this complaint has been filed in U.S. District Court in Connecticut and a representative of Teva USA, the company alleged to be at the center of the conspiracy, has said they will fight the lawsuit. The allegations in this new complaint and in the litigation more generally are just that allegations. And that's according to their statement. The lawsuit spans 500 pages and it accuses the generic drug industry, which mainly sells medicines that are off patent and should be less expensive, of a long history of discrete agreements to ensure that companies that are supposed to be competitors actually get a fair share of the business. The situation worsened in 2012. They were dissatisfied with the status quo of fair share and the mere avoidance of price erosions. And at that point, Teva and their co-conspirators embarked on one of the most egregious and damaging price-fixing conspiracies in the history of the United States. And this is according to uh, the complaint. They colluded to significantly raise prices on 86 medicines between July 2013 and January of 2015. Now, I know if, if you're like our family, you go to the pharmacy and you're like, okay, here's our prescription. And then you show back up later to pick it up. And that's when the pharmacist kind of looks at you from underneath their eyelashes or kind of looks at you sideways and says, "Um, did you know that your in-network rate for this is $668? And you're like, what? (laughs) That's what happens. (laughs) It happens at the Walgreens, the CVS, the grocery store pharmacy, wherever you might be. You hear people going, what did you say? Because they're not, they're they're like, why would this drug be 600 and some dollars? This is something we're going to need every month for a while. What? So this price fixing, according to the, 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 the lawsuit, was on drugs that included everything from tablets, capsules, creams, ointments, diabetes medications, high cholesterol drugs, high blood pressure, cancer, epilepsy, treatments for that. In some instances, the coordinated price increases were more than 1,000%. If you think about things you might have bought, you know, from your from your pharmacy that were prescription medications between 2013 and 2015, if any one of those drugs sticks out to you in pricing and they're in one of those categories, again, diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, cancer, epilepsy, then you might have been a part of this, like, you know, unwittingly you were paying more because of this price fixing. The lawsuit also names 15 individuals as defendants and the defendants uh, are, are alleged to have carried out these schemes on a day-to-day basis, knowingly fixing the prices of, of these drugs. 
So Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak issued a statement. The level of corporate greed alleged in this multi-state lawsuit is heartless and unconscionable. The lawsuit seeks damages, civil penalties, and actions by the court to restore competition to the generic drug market. Now, generic drugs were one of the few bargains in the U.S. healthcare system, but prices for hundreds of generic drugs have risen, some even skyrocketing without explanation, sparking outrage from politicians, payers, and consumers across the country whose costs have doubled, tripled, or even increased by a thousand percent or more. So this is, uh, this is fascinating. I'm, I'm hoping to see a resolution there that we're not going to, you know, people aren't going to have to pay these prices any longer. And hopefully uh, there'll be, you know, just go back to the regular free market system in the price fixing. I don't think Americans are saying it has to be $5, you know, for a whole bottle of pills or, or that people aren't willing to pay. It's that that kind of price fixing is literally pricing some people out of being able to get the drugs that they need. How is that fair? Well, life isn't fair. And fair may be a, uh, an, an inequitable term to use um, in this instance. So now we don't, we don't have a ton of, uh, of, I want to talk about this story, to be honest with you, I want to talk about this story, but it's such a disgusting story. I'll just put these, these, these are two stories that were like breaking over the weekend and I'll just sum them up quickly so that we will have covered them and we can get it out of the way. First of all, the drag queen who was on Twitter and Chips Ahoy partnered with this drag queen and issued a statement for Mother's Day where he says, you know, buy some cookies and celebrate mothers, pseudo mothers, people who act like mothers, etc. And I guess my question is one that I, I had a quick uh, meeting with a friend earlier this morning. We had some coffee and breakfast and went over a whole bunch of stuff. And she asked me if I'd seen the story. And I said, I didn't see it over the weekend. I actually saw it first thing this morning, uh, you know, Monday after the fact. And there's this huge backlash. And the backlash is because Chips Ahoy sells, well, they sell machine cookies. So let me, let me explain what I mean by sh- machine cookies. So growing up with my mom, she did not have an appreciation for cookies that came in a package. She said they weren't real cookies. They were machine cookies. And so me and my sister, we, we didn't have Chips Ahoy cookies or pecan sandies or anything like that in our lunches. Or we didn't eat them at home. Um, we didn't eat ding-dongs and ho-hos and those kinds of prepackaged cupcakes. My mom did not believe in those. She had a cookie recipe that was simple that she could whip up a batch of cookies using the ingredients from the time she poured the flour out and mixed everything up to you putting a cookie in your mouth, 20 minutes. And this is before take and bake. So this was just, this is the way I grew up. This was our household. She didn't believe in going to the store and buying a package of cookies that crunched like a cracker when you bit into them and that that was anything good. Now, if you're out there and you love them, this isn't, this isn't judgment on you. I'm just telling you how it went. So we're not really a machine cookie household, uh, except my husband likes Oreos um, and the kids eat Oreos sometimes too. Um, That being said, the majority of the consumers of Chips Ahoy are families and they're families with moms in them. 
because drag queens can't actually give birth. Now I know there's some man out there who got pregnant and had a baby, but he only reason he has a uterus is because he is genetically still a woman. And that's the only way he got that uterus is because he's, he's a woman. He just lives as a man. But drag queens aren't even pretending that they're transgender or that they want to be the opposite sex. They just dress up as a spectacle. It's a sickness. But again, these are people who don't represent womanhood. When you think of a mom, I actually think of this sweet lady I saw today uh, at, at the place where I went to go get coffee. And she had two tiny little children with her and they were taking turns crying about the, all the, the different cookies and snacks that were within eyeball range of their little short selves. And it was just nothing cuter than them taking turns crying about wanting a cookie, wanting, wanting something sweet. And she was dealing with them expertly. Like she was minimizing the crying and she was explaining to them that they had something in the car they could have and all they had to do was get through the line. And I just was thinking, she even at one point, she said something to me and I just said, oh, I just remember when my kids were all that short and small and sweet and they were the same way when we would be in the store asking for stuff and you're doing a good job. And she said, how old are your kids now? And I was like, oh, 19, 18, 15. And she said, how do you feel? I said, I feel great, but I missed the time when they were that small. And we had a nice laugh about it. And she's, she, that was a mom, you know, um, I'm a mom. You, if you're listening to this show and you're a mom, you, you are not well represented by a drag queen. And so it is just so interesting to see these companies. They don't have to weigh in with the drag queen thing. Drag queens are not a significant portion of their customer base, not even a significant portion of the population. They're loudest. They're the most visible, but they're not the largest percentage wise. They're not even a significant percentage. So why would you take your business that's based on families and jeopardize it by catering to a tiny minority that is offensive to your primary customer base? No, I don't find drag queens offensive just walking around thinking, ooh, drag queens are, no, I don't. mm -mm. I'm talking about when you take a drag queen and say, the way to sell my product is to market it to women by representing them with a drag queen. There's nothing fun or funny about that. That is a man masquerading around with eight pounds of makeup on his face as a woman, as opposed to an actual woman who bears children, cares for a family. Maybe, maybe you don't have children. Doesn't mean you're not a woman. It just, it's just not an accurate representation. And I don't understand why the companies keep doing this, alienating millions of people. I just talked about this, I guess, last week when we we're talking about the magazine that that sent over the transgendered man in a dress. And I, I turned the page. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, so this is these clothes aren't marketed to me. And I'm just never buying anything from there. Again, it just doesn't make any sense for me to because I'm not a man. So I wanted to cover that story because I just I, I'm not understanding why these companies are doing this. And then the other one is Alyssa Milano. Now, if you missed it, she's saying that people should forego intimate relationships with their significant others in order to force men to get angry enough to go down to Georgia and force Georgia to repeal the heartbeat bill. She says, if men don't do that, women won't have access to abortions if they wait too long to decide to have one. Now, this is nonsensical, okay? And... I think it's highlights one of the things that leftist women believe about intimate relations. And that is that it's a transaction. 
So for every liberal woman out there who says, I'm a part of the Me Too movement and I think men should see women as people and not for our individual body parts. But then they're a part of Alyssa Milano's strike admitting that they see themselves as tools for the political party to achieve an agenda, using their bodies as the tool. I cannot believe how tone deaf and completely unaware Alyssa Milano and her followers are. They're actually making the case for misogynists and sexists around the world that women are no more than what they can do for a man. No brains, no intellect, no, no skills, no talents, no gifts, no managerial skills, no organizational skills, no contributory value whatsoever other than what a woman can do in an intimate relationship for a man. That is what she is saying. The only way to motivate a man to do something for you is to use your body. Don't argue the case. Don't put out facts. Don't put out information. Just use your body. And that is the democratic agenda. Boiling every person down to the sum of their parts and ordering them to use themselves like tools instead of respecting what God has created. You are made in the image of Christ. If you're listening to this program, young single woman, preserve your womanhood for the marriage bed. Do not use it to influence a man to do one thing or another. You are not a tool. You are a gift from God. You are valuable and you are more than the intimate relations that any man may want to have with you. Reject this premise. Alyssa Milano is lost, but you can control your destiny, control your body, save yourself. All right. (laughs) That's the show, everybody. God bless. Have a fantastic evening. See you tomorrow.